Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. Through the years, I've learned a few things, and this is one of them. You have to be selfless to be a nurse. It's a real calling. You experience death and dying and real sickness every day. You take orders from short-staffed doctors. Some nurses work in homes, some in hospitals, some in clinics, and some in doctor's offices. Of course, there are those who work on the battlefield and in emergency rooms. Being a nurse is one where you take the job knowing that you will likely be underappreciated, but where you can make a difference every day of your working career, and you know that you are making a difference every day. You know, one final example is that of the hospice nurse. Every day they go to work and deal with end-of-life issues. Today we get to talk to one such nurse out of Jacksonville, Florida. His name is Kirk Walker Sr. He's a listener on our stations up there in Jacksonville and sent me a copy of his book that he wrote, God's Voice Through a Nurse. And I just, I wanted you guys to get to meet Kirk Kirk Walker Sr. And so I said, let's do a show. So Kirk Walker Sr., welcome to I Work For Him. But before we get to faith, I think there's a person you need to introduce our audience to. Your grandmother, Big Mama. She played a huge role in your life. Tell us about Big Mama. Ah, I had what we call a real Big Mama. She was uh, the individual that could stand up and make a general cry, but she could also hold a baby and bring a smile to its face. Mm -hmm. She was from one end of the spectrum to the other. This is where I spent the majority of the first five of my years growing up. Because at the time, there was no such thing as daycare or in-school, preschool. Right. So I was blessed. Actually, she was the one that delivered me. I was born in the house where they lived at, uh, the youngest of six siblings. And my grandmother was the first one to bring me and welcome me to the world. Such a strong but yet loving lady. Uh, She would do to make sure everybody she would sell or sacrifice whatever she had to do to make sure her family and the neighbors all got what they deserved or wanted without ever thinking about what she needed or wanted. She went without so many days, and I was able to witness that as she shared love with others. She had the strength to, to carry others through their pain and hurt through love of lost ones, but she had the love and compassion to be there to birth most of the babies of the county where we lived at. Now, what where, what uh, state was, was that in? Uh, we were in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Very good. Yes, so, sir. So your grandma, which goes by Big Mama, did you call her Big Mama? Did everybody call her Big Mama? Everybody called her Big Mama. That was that was. So, what, I love that. That's so awesome. And she's the one who introduced you to Jesus. She was. Tell us about that story. There many times, as we talk about grandma's hands, they're the ones that I would watch work and scuffle all day. But then at night, she would teach me to get on my knees on the side of the bed, and we would pray and give thanks every night before we ever thought about getting in the bed. And Big Mama led me to believe that that was a God. And she was my light in my life, which made sure that I was grounded in faith 
and not in the world. Kirk, early on in your life, and I know you had six siblings. You guys lived in a four-room home as you're growing up with Big Mama and your mom. And but you were taught to serve. You were because you had to help around the house. How did Big Mama yes. and, and your mom introduce you to service at home? And how did that lead to a life of 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 nursing? We were always taught somebody. You always serve the person, whoever it is that with you. You serve them first ever before you decide. There were days when my mother and my grandmother would make sure everybody else had something to eat and there wouldn't be anything left. So as watching them to do without to make sure somebody else had something, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, the fulfillment and the joy that you get out of watching somebody else become happy, that became like an addiction. And understanding this is what life, this is what it must feel like every time Christ blessed somebody to just watch somebody else smile and know you were a part of that. And so I never knew until after I had become an adult that my grandmother, what a midwife was actually was, and, and that she had been a midwife. All I ever knew it when she was growing up, she'd have on this white uniform and she helped people mm. because I wasn't that very into the health care or the education of the medical field. So, but it was later on in life when I found out that the prophecy just kind of followed in her footsteps without even knowing. Oh, that's pretty I, neat. I, I had no desire. Growing up, I kept swearing I would never be a nurse. I would never be a nurse. Uh-oh. Everything that ever came. So you told God, you told God no and never. That is not wise. <laughs> Every time we tell God no and never, it always seems like that's the direction we go. But I, you know, I read your whole book and I never even made that connection. Your grandmother, Big Mama, as a midwife, she was a nurse for so much of her life, delivering children all over your neighborhood. I'm sure. You know, you saw that yeah. in action, and you saw her bring people into life. Uh, that's and and that just that really impacted you, didn't it? It did, and that also as a child it makes you think that oh, it makes you sick. I got a oh, got a weak stomach. I'll never be able to do this, you know. And it's like okay, no, I'll do anything else. Growing up in the blue collar world, that's that's where I saw my life at mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, working in a factory. That was the extent that I saw my my life. So what changed? And be off on the weekend. What changed for you? What changed for you then in your life that led you to where you are today um, in the in the nursing profession? I I was a a friend of mine. We we was working in the hospital. I was uh, working in the dietary department, and a friend of mine came by the house, and he said, uh on the bed, hey, you want to go to respiratory school with me? And uh, I bet you can't do that. <laughs> and I say, well, I can do anything I want to do. I'll go to school with you. Not a problem. You know? And I went to, got signed up for respiratory therapy. And he he never showed up. <laughs> so I, I, I had no idea what respiratory therapy was, but... If he was going to do it and tell me I couldn't do it, I'm going to do it. 
once you got a taste of respiratory therapy as as really I, I know they didn't call you a nurse at that point in time because you didn't have a nursing degree but you got to feel you got to feel for serving others how did that impact you i absolutely loved that you know when you go in when when people in the hospital that's one thing we used to have that was one of the bigger parts i used to have to go with my grandparents to to do what they call visit the sick and shut in. Mm-hmm. We did that every weekend, which that's not something they do much anymore in these days. Right. Everybody just kind of stay to themselves. So we would go to people's homes and hospitals and visit people. I mean, the sick and the shut in. So when I was able to go and visit patients and I still do enter their rooms at the hospital, this is their lowest point. And just to sit there and talk with them, I wouldn't have to do any other treatment. That would bring joy to them. So, Kirk, you were sharing about how, you know, when you were younger, your your family used to go in and do hospital visits and visit with the sick and the shut-in. So you were familiar with doing that and having a connection to patients. How did that work into what you were doing then in the hospital? I found that Although I was in a role as a respiratory therapist, I was doing people more good in the role of ministry. Mm. I was able to go and sit at people's bedside, hold their hand, share a smile, uh, serve, and uh, that was the, and pray with them. That was the greatest gift that I could give them. I found that the medicine that the medical world and the, the things that they were doing were not the greatest benefit that these people were receiving. So therefore, learning that brought joy to my heart watching somebody else smile simply at the worst and lowest time of their life. Now I could breathe sunshine and I could bring prayer and relief for them as I had received. Mm. That's so powerful. So, so is that the point in your life where you saw that the work that you were doing helps you to connect your faith with what you were doing as a nurse? Yes. It, it, it brought quite clarity about uh, how Jesus actually, before that, it's like you hear Jesus say, always serve, put others first, love unconditionally. These things that we read, but not necessarily really feel or understand. Mm-hmm. And growing up in church, I had read these things quite often and heard them preach quite often. But it really didn't, as they say, click until I got to this point. And it was a aha moment. This is what it's all about. This is what serving is all about. Not necessarily taking a dinner or buying or something, it's giving the love, the patience, and compassion that just your time is the greatest gift to give somebody. You made a very powerful statement. In fact, I'll call it a tweetable tweet. You know, you realized that you were you were going in there to do respiratory therapy, but you realized that you were do you were doing more good in the ministry to the soul when you actually saw them as people and talked to them as people. Did you ever get in trouble from the hospitals that you're working in for talking too much though, and not you know? Be, because they want you always moving from one room to the next to the next to the next. Did you ever get in trouble for ministering and praying? I did. I was I was approached on several occasions uh, where several of the managers would 
dis- would say I was disrupting their uh, their patient care. Their staff had jobs to do, and I would be in there with their patients, disrupting the time. But thanking God that I had one of the most loving and compassionate managers over my department who just said, okay, we would arrange times where when during your time, your break or something, you could just go walk around and visit people. I mean, I would just walk and see the doors would be open and somebody looked as though they were in need of uh, just somebody to come and say hello. I would just just go in and introduce myself and tell them God was real and prayer still worked. How were you able to then go to school to become an RN? I was walking past a lady's room as we, the picturesque of a grandmother. She was about four foot 11, silver hair, <laughs> weighed about 80 pounds. As I was walking past her room, her door was open and she was in a ball as what we call a fetal position, balled up crying and screaming because she was in so much pain. Mm. Me being the person of the hospital that I was, I'll go and get your nurse and have them come and give you something for, for your pain to get you, stop you from suffering. I'm still in this mode of what I can do. So I walked down and I talked to the nurses, go down and help this lady. I never met her and help her give her something for pain. And they sat around the desk. Everybody said, sure. Yeah, we'll do this. I went to visit two other patients of mine. I came back probably about 30, maybe 45 minutes later. And this little lady was still balled up screaming and crying mm-hmm. how much in pain that she was. And she said nobody was coming to help her and there was nothing she could do. And it touched my heart right at that moment to the point I said, I will never, ever say I'll go and get your nurse. I'll become a nurse. So I, another patient will never have to go through this as long as I'm around. I went to this lady's room. I had never met her before. She was hooked up to the breathing machine, the ventilator. Had not had been in a coma over a week. Had done nothing to move. They couldn't understand why she was still alive. But she had two children, a son and a daughter. And they had called them in. I had never met them before. But before they walked in the room, I said, I don't know why your mother's spirit is still holding on. I said, but she's holding on for a reason. I said, whatever it is between you two, you need to fix it now. (laughs) Because when we go in here, you need to reassure her that you're going to be okay once she transitions out of this world into the next. We walked into the room. One stood on the right side of the bed. One stood on the left side of the bed. They looked at each other. They broke down and start crying, said, I forgive each other and we'll be okay. She raised her right hand up in the air, put it down on the bed, and then the monitor went flat. Mm. And we all looked at each other, and I was just stunned, like, wow, you know, this Mm. is God's power, and she transitioned. So powerful. Kirk Walker Sr., thanks for sharing a little of your story today. Thanks for sharing your book with Martha and I, God's Voice Through a Nurse. I look forward to meeting you one day face-to-face, but we do thank you for being an I work for him today. 
Thank you, Kirk. Thank you. I pray your show continue to be a success and continue to bring, as I say, grace and peace for those ordinary individuals such as mine to let us know that we do value and we are somebody. Amen. Oh, and we're so grateful that you say those words. You've been listening to I Work Room with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace. It's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Let's face it, there's only so much you can accomplish in a day, right? As a busy leader, countless distractions are vying for your time. And making it harder is that these distractions are often important things, but maybe not the best use of your time or passions. You need help living out your God-given purpose, and thankfully, our friends at Belay offer just that. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. With Belay's help, you can delegate to someone who has the skills to execute faster and more efficiently, leaving you to do what only you can do. Fulfill your purpose and be the faithful steward you are called to be. To learn more, just text for him to 55123. Again, that's the number 4HIM to 55123. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.